0: You're listening to Red Nation Online. The left.
1: Johnson. Out the
0: Shielding it. Coming into the box. Out the door. And it's three for
1: Toronto. Josie. Out the door coming big again.
0: Just body and
1: trivet there. Just turns on him. Badolia tries to come help.
0: Saturday, August twentieth, it's East Side Standouts Paul Marhue, I'm Ian Clark, and we are in a state of nauseating positivity as Toronto FC down Eastern Conference rivals Philadelphia Union three to one. Best half of the season, best road match of the season, a statement game. We discuss it all and look at key players, especially an ever-improving Josie Alvador, who has week by week begin deliver on expectations. We wrap up looking ahead and whether this is the Reds team that will finally shake the end-of-season meltdowns. All that and more on the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. It should be fine. Like it's, I'm sure whatever level it's at, it'll okay. pick it up. It We're kind it. of going straight into it, so I, okay. think it sh- I think it shouldn't be a problem. All right. And um, here we are, you know, every every podcast, you st- I usually start off right saying, like, I'm at here, and I'm um, in the realm of this podcast. We have r R&O Rooftop Studios, we have r Studios, Stanley Park Studios, Paul, I think you, I think I might give you East Side Stand Up studios. I'm getting a studio. Yeah, and an East Side Stand Up. Yeah, I think I think this doesn't isn't that fitting? Shouldn't this be East Side
1: Stand Up Studios? I like it. I wish I wish the listeners could see us right now. We're elevated. We're about eight stories up. We're on a balcony. We're looking over the city. It's not bad. It sounds big time.
0: Yeah, and I was saying to tie like not tie anything in, but just to say, I feel like you do live in like a very your neighborhood. Your building is just like to me. Like I'm like. I feel like this is very Toronto. Wow. It's got history, the neighborhood has history, and there's something about um, you know, Paul, you live at like Dundas University neighborhood,
1: right downtown. Just, yeah, hospital. right by
0: right by the AGO and all that stuff. And I'm like that that nook, it's like I was saying how you know, you can walk around here and it's got like a mini New York feel. In terms yeah. of like you have the art gallery, you have a college, you have univer- you have uh, hospitals. You have restaurants and you have residents, like all in the same. I know
1: it. it it's it's almost too busy. You make me want to leave. <laughs>
0: is that what I'm saying? Because you know what I was I was thinking. I'm sit, we're sitting on the, this patio, and you were just like inside refilling your drink, and I'm like, I find this actually somewhat calming. Like yeah. it's, as as it's like it's a busy area, and there's a lot of people here, but it's like it's quiet right now. All you hear is like an HVAC spinning right. in yes. the roofs. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's huge, by the way. You should see this thing.
0: And it's like to kind of sit on a patio or sit on a, you know, a balcony. And in this, it's like, you know, there's the the complete contradiction that it's quiet. Right. And you're in right. this, like, you but have... in the middle of the mayhem. You got
1: plants out here. But you know why we're feeling like that? It's because we won. Uh, six games unbeaten, dude. <laughs> Not bad. Nah, like...
0: You know, we're we're on the podcast, anyways. Not once to like really take it too extreme, but you do have to. You know, we we have often quoted terrible stats on this pod, so we should note that it's. So we got six games and a six game stretch, yeah. sixteen of a possible eighteen points. Yeah, you know, we, with we that
1: one blemish in Houston, which you know with the rain and yeah, who knows what which was going the
0: la- the last game, of the last podcast. You know, we kind of qualified that performance in that result, saying it's just like, yeah, to to go into a game on a Saturday and have that. It's raining out. You don't know when it's going to get played. Is it going to get played tomorrow? Is it going to played tomorrow morning? Is it going to play tomorrow night? Is it going to be postponed for two weeks? Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. I would think that a you know a professional footballer, any professional athlete, is like they're on clockwork. Like it's right. Train this day, this day, get on a plane that day. The game day is that. This is my routine. The routine is broken.
1: There's a big wrench.
0: Yeah. that That's, I mean, and I tried to frame it being like, I'm not trying to be an apologist or make excuses. But I kind of was like, all right, whatever. Like Houston game, I think for me, the next test is going to be Philadelphia and Orlando. Mm-hmm. Because those are two teams that are, I think we're better than. Yeah. And yeah. at least on paper. And if Toronto come out of those games with points, then that's there. Now we have something to talk about. Now there's like the sample size is getting bigger, and
1: there's a broader scope that we can reference back and say this is what we've been seeing. Yeah, certainly the Philly game. I mean, Orlando. Um, we were talking earlier, and and that seemed like the easier of the two. Yeah. So I mean, getting getting the win in, in Philadelphia really sets up up nicely either for big disappointment (laughs) yeah (laughs) on a Wednesday but there's two ways to look at that because it's like we got this we
0: got this win on the weekend game we have Montreal Mm. next weekend it alleviates some pressure right Right. if we hadn't come out let's say we lost this game Mm. then you'd almost have back-to-back games in a three-game stretch that Toronto would have a lot of pressure on them right to get the win now it's like you can look at Orlando And I don't think they're going to look at it that way. But, you know, they might do some rotation. They might feel comfortable if they come away with a draw. And then some key players could be ready to play Montreal and Toronto on Saturday. Right. But I think to start this podcast, you know, it might be jumping ahead a bit, but I'm sure we'll circle back and sort of say that first half.
1: Yeah, amazing. Is that the best first half we've seen this season? Best Uh, 45 minutes we've seen all season. Yeah, uh, you know, like... The, certainly the impression the feeling while watching it is that um, I didn't really I, I felt we were playing really smartly and tactically I don't think I don't feel like we were the road team that was holding back waiting for our chance I thought we were kind of going for it um, it like I it was a it was more of a feeling than anything else until we started looking into the games in the past and trying to get a sense of like how this one free one at the half on the road in Philly compares to those. And, you know, after after having done that, I would would try to make a case that this might have been the best first half.
0: Yeah, I think the observation that we made in that first half was that, you know, you find in MLS that the home team always has a distinct advantage, whether it's a a team that's in the mid-table and the bottom end of the table playing a top team. You just notice that. Regardless, I think travel has something to do with that especially. Um, But it just seems that there is this distinction between the home team and the away team. And in this game, you know Philadelphia didn't look like that generalized or stereotypical home team. No, they
1: looked tentative at the beginning. Right, right? and
0: Toronto looked quite comfortable as the road team. And I think that's something to make note of in that first half was that there was points in it, but it didn't look like didn't, this isn't a game that it looked like Toronto was like playing for the draw. No, no. And and I don't think with you know the players that we have that that's probably the characteristic of Toronto FC is that they're a team. You know, as they say that this league. You know, you want to talk about parity or whatever. It's like that's that might be part of it that there is opportunities uh, on the road to get away with points and. Yeah. we Definitely today, I think that was
1: we saw that from the very early going. Right. And and during the game, we we were kind of... What, I guess, started this conversation was that um, Altidore, uh, Bradley, and Jovenko, are three DPs, were all there starting. Um, I know that they did last uh, game in Houston, but, you know, maybe Houston was kind of like an outlier. Yeah. Kind of a weird game to begin with, um, with the rain delay and whatnot. Um, but we talked about how... This, the way they came into this road game in Philly was very much how they went into road games at the beginning of the season when they had all those road games on the road, right? Like, uh, they didn't then um, try to just get a point per game. They actually kind of went for it, right? And um, coincidentally enough, we got our three DPs back and maybe, maybe this is the more natural way that this team will play on the road or should play on the road.
0: Yeah. And I think I wanted to, I just did want, I think we should have mentioned when we talked about that best 45, because we did mention there was a couple games that stood out for us that I think we should, you know, you want to loop in. I mean, the home game against D.C. was a good one. Yeah. Uh, The home game against New England was a good one, and the home game against Montreal. But what might, we we also qualified that might put this ahead of it was that those were all home games. Uh, Yes. That Toronto looked so good early on. Right. Or in that first forty-five, this was one where we did it on the road, and that's I think I think that's the starting point of being what was so impressive right. about this result and about this performance. And if we look at, I'm going to take what you just said about the players that were mentioned, but the players that you mentioned there is that um, you know we're looking at the lineup that was put out there today, and really the only guy. Yeah, look. So I wanted to circle around on. The players you already mentioned and then like, let's start the game in terms of going into some of the Great. the roster yeah. and the players in hand because of course really I think you can almost make a case if we want to talk about Toronto FC's ideal starting 11 at this stage we might just be missing Clint Irwin
1: yeah I think this might be it I mean who are you going to replace like of the 10 in front of Irwin like who would you knock out
0: well I think the, you you might be able to say could you sorry well, I was going to say and I don't Cause, think cause this we're is going to have to knock somebody out with Cooper coming in, right? That's maybe. And then I would say you could also make a case that uh, you might say Rue could be a guy. I don't think so. I think Sheru is going to be is going to remain his depth, right? Um, or, you know, just a break in case of emergency, break glass in case of emergency kind of guy. But I mean, he's played so well that I think he may have a purpose in key games. Yeah. Right. And then you might say, oh, maybe we'll put Johnson uh, or Delgado or Osorio. Like those guys might get rotated around.
1: Yeah. It's probably going to be maybe we don't have like a firm 11. Maybe we have like a few guys that we can throw in based on the situation. Like a road game, for instance, in yeah. Philly, right? Like, would, if Shea was healthy, would he have started in front of um, uh, Osorio or? Uh, Delgado, yeah, probably Delgado, I would think. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know, I don't know, and that's that's a good, I mean, that's a good problem to have. Let's just say the one thing, I mean, we talked about the start of the season was with all the young guys, we did question the depth of the team, and now,
1: yeah, well, they were untested, not, right? Yeah, that's not so much the case. Yeah, well, they, they kind of proved themselves over that stretch where we had all those injuries. Yeah,
0: and that's I think. You know, there's players we'll talk about probably later on in the match. But there's guys through that that definitely y- you know when a Chapman subs into the game, yeah. you're not groaning. Yeah. We know we've seen a sample size of Chapman to say, okay, I think I know that he can, A, he can hang an MLS caliber play. Yeah. And then, B, we know that he can set players up. He's yeah. got a good touch. He's not afraid. It, sh- it should be a positive for him to get in there and get minutes. And then, of course, we have a guy like Ricketts or whatnot. Yeah. But... You know, we kind of touched on what that starting eleven was for this game. We know Bono was in goal. We had Zavaleta and Moore in the middle. Betashore-Moore. betashore Moro Moore, betashore, Moore out wide. Johnson, Bradley, Osorio, Delgado, Jovinko, Altidoro. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's pretty solid. Yeah, nothing to complain about. And the one thing that I said off the top was that as this has happened over the last, you know, what is it? Six weeks, two months. It's nice to see a Zavaleta has settled in. And, you know, when we mention a guy like a Chapman or whoever, or even Endo and Delgado and Osorio, you want to see young guys kind of like given their opportunity to earn that starting position as well as develop and say this, you know, Zavaleta might be the center back of the future for this team. Yeah. Um, But that's never going to happen unless he gets a serious stretch of play.
1: Yeah, and, and the funny thing about him in particular is that um, I remember when we first brought him in, I kind of assumed that it had something to do with the. Theme. With Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny, yeah. Maybe it did, but not because of uh, nepotism, but because he was familiar with how he played and what he could offer. Uh, so seeing him become sturdy and reliable and dependable, especially when paired with someone who could kind of, you know. Uh, prevent him from doing the stuff that young people do. Yeah, uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah, and I think the the other pleasant surprise,
0: and you know maybe it's a little bit of crow that I have to eat because at the start of the season, I wasn't overly convinced by the signing of Drew Moore that he was going to be an anchor on the back line or he was going to kind of be the man. I still thought that the center back position did need you know another high level up. In right. terms of capabilities, but I have to say that you know, Drew Moore has been quite good. And when I compared him, when I was saying when I compared him like Perky, I from my from my perspective, I was like Perky is good for one right. jaw dropping mistake every game. I can't say the same thing for Moore. Yeah, and that's and that's all you can ask for the to go through a game as a defender and not notice them.
1: Yeah, that's what you want. Or if you notice them, it's great. Because they well, scored yeah, a they scored header. a goal, <laughs> yeah. right?
0: It's like, if I can't comment on whatever Moore was doing, that's a good thing yeah, because that just means he was it was tidy at the back or that the midfield was so good that there was no opportunities given for the back line to be working really hard, one or the other, right? Like, it's a, either way, it's a positive. But if we kind of, like, roll through this game, we've talked about a handful of the players and, you know, the key ones, especially the DPs coming back, and this game started off great, for toronto fc early going yeah. and what we saw was which has been a discussion point and which we might touch on now is that the return of josie altador and him getting back into form
1: yeah
0: now the first goal we see delgado threading this beautiful ball up to jovinko however it
1: started from bono to altador right altador the one that held that up and passed it to yeah. yeah and i
0: think this is a game and this is this has been a you know, maybe not a criticism that we've leveled towards Altidore. You know, given his size, given his strength, given his athleticism, that he hasn't been sort of like a complete center forward or a complete striker or whatever. And and this is a game where you can say, you know, he played back to goal and he took that ball down, laid it yep. right onto Delgado. Credit to Delgado. One touch. Straight up to Jovinko. Little bit behind Jovinko. Whatever, I mean... We know that's no big deal.
1: Yeah, he'll take care of it. He'll take he'll any any
0: ball within you know, within a stride leg's length on yeah. Javinko, he'll find a way to like
1: a geo length. Any ball within a geo length is gonna be taken care of. It.
0: Yeah, he'll find a way to if it's behind him, he'll find a way to do a, some mini flick, right? That yeah. goes that brings it back forward. And he brings this on and it's like, Alright, listener, does it do you get do you get bored about talking about this, about how good he can strike the ball? Because there, no, there was several things that we if said. If you are that,
1: bored, just go and watch the replay and then come back.
0: Well, that was <laughs> it. And it's like the, th- the crazy thing is it's like it's not like we haven't seen this before where he takes a ball, he goes wide, full speed, full stride, strikes the ball, far
1: post. Yeah, yeah. And then not, not because he didn't hit it right and he hit the post, but because he wanted to put it on that side as far away from the keeper as he possibly could. Yeah but still have it ricocheted. Yeah,
0: and you have to say, like I can think of goals where he's been out on the left side, cut back onto his right foot, right, and curled it into that far sure. post perfectly. Yeah. This is on the other side. You know, he's Ways striking... Yeah, he's striking on the left side, running down the left side, strikes it, hits it off the far post, into the post, in.
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe I passed it as a listener because I'm like, I know we've seen that before. If, whether it's... <laughs> Whether it was with his right foot on the right side to the far post, I, mean, I just feel like we've seen him literally ping it off the very edge as yeah. he's running down whichever the left or the right side. And then the nice thing was that you look at him and we're like, "Oh no, is he angry? Because he's yelling at someone." No, he's pumped, and he gives Delgado like a huge pump. That's, I think, the there was that stretch of games where Jovinko yeah, was. was on him a little yeah, or that Jovinko was the only DP, right? He didn't have a lot of support. And we would say this on the podcast, kind of saying how, look, Jovinko's struggling now because he's got Endo, Delgado, Osorio, Chapman, Babuli. I mean, really, except for Osorio, who's still a young guy and still, I think, coming into his own,
1: yeah.
0: getting there. But all the other guys, they don't have a wealth of experience, and they're, not, they're just not going to be giving him what he needs at all times. Right. So I think... Jovinko was over the moon that he got this one-touch uh, through ball yeah. that puts him in behind that last defender.
1: Uh, what was it, number four, or Trevitt or something like that? Yeah, and it was it was early in the game too. So I mean, it was, that's when you want to score on the road. You want to shut the crowd up. You want to take that the game the yeah. game away from the opponent. Yeah. Um,
0: however, I don't want to say befitting, but it is you know. Uh, is it befitting? No, not really. But it is kind of like you know we. I think it, you know the Toronto FC PTSD right. that we all suffer from. Yes, of course, uh, you know it comes back on the other way shortly thereafter. Yeah. And not only that, even worse, it's on a set piece. Yeah. Which Toronto FC supporters know all too well. Yeah. That is a nightmare scenario whenever any team pretty much has a set piece or a corner against us. You know, you hold your breath. And hats off, a, hats off to Philadelphia because. It was well played. It was. They didn't sort of play. loft it in. Yeah. They swung it in pretty hard, so yeah. it was a tough one to time. So there was tons of pace on the ball. Yeah. There was going to be tons of pace on the header. Felt bad for Bono because he made... He went the right... Like, his reaction time was good.
1: Yeah, and he didn't just, like, flick it. He, like, got a hand on it, but it was just... He didn't have the room to deflected wide.
0: no and I think it's the kind of situation where again if Philadelphia hadn't played that as well as they had yeah. he would have saved it yeah
1: probably you
0: know if the ball was if it was a softer cross in or was a softer header yeah there was you know yeah. half a second not even off that play or even off the pace yeah Bono makes the save but it was it was struck so well
1: how many minutes was it after the goal that they uh, equalized it couldn't no, have been no. long Right now. I mean, this uh, this tends to be a pattern. We've seen it a number of times with Toronto. So I guess if we had to criticize something about the game, it would be giving up that like equalizer really quickly. Six minutes. Six minutes.
0: Yeah, it was six minutes after. Still too close.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know, you flip it around. Six minutes later, <laughs> right. right? If we're going to complain about that, then we'll uh, Philadelphia. Yeah tit for tat yeah. because Toronto comes on back play, on a set play yeah. and with a header it was I mean it was we sat there and said holy shit like here's the, here's the other thing that we wanted to say about Drew Moore is that as a positive on Drew Moore I think that might be his third goal of the season all of set pieces however I think there might be two other opportunities he had right that he did that you know Portland away, game man. comes to mind where yeah. he headed it in a hit the crossbar and I feel like there's another game where he found himself in a great position and yeah. he didn't score and that's which en- is that- very
1: interesting because he's not like a, a huge defender no. I mean like you you look at Haglin, who's gotten a couple of goals off of headers you yep. think he's athletic he's young he's tall that makes sense mm. but you know even the uh, goal tonight with Moore he went down like a foot off the ground and headed that in
0: yeah although funny enough I just pulled up his stats, Uh-oh. and he
1: is on pace for his usual
0: three to four goals a year. Is that his so, usual? That's what I'm seeing here. Really? Yeah, he's got he's had a couple of three, four goal seasons. So there you go. That's a little there's a little bit of information on Drew Moore. This is not out of the ordinary. And for we him. still got ten games left. Yeah,
1: nine games left. Oh yes, of course. Nine games left. We're in left. single digits. Yeah.
0: However, at this point, the uh, the half is not done. And it's, it's a good thing because, you know, 2-1, at that point you're like, oh, is Philadelphia going to come back? Yeah. Are we gonna, Is this what it's going to be? Is this going to be, you know, a seesaw battle back and forth? However, the next sequence, oh, we should say too, though, in between that was another 1v1 with Jovinko. Uh, Almost a carbon like copy, right? Where Altidore springs him loose. puts And you, I, you saw that ball and, and you looked at it and you thought, no. They can't have the exact same play yeah. again.
1: And and you gotta if you're putting money on that play at that moment with Jovenko going down alone on him, you're betting on him.
0: Yeah. And the ball that Altidore put in, it looked like it was just a little bit too soft. But then you're like, Well, I guess it was the perfect ball. You know, just got and the funny thing was, they were and they were saying on the telecast too, how they are like, Oh, you know, every team's like when they talk about Toronto C it's all Jovinko. We're gonna double team Jovinko. You know, you just gotta you just gotta isolate him. You gotta do this, that, this, that. This was a game where it looked like Philadelphia was playing a high line, or they were playing with this one guy back who kept getting got caught. And you have you have a center back and Jovinko in open space, one v one. You just put that ball into open space time and time again, and Jovinko finds the area and it, whatever. I mean, he he missed the goal. We watched him play like I was
1: like, oh, he should have gone short side.
0: Yeah. He should have like he should have struck it to the left.
1: Um, but he was probably thinking the goalie knows I went that side last time. Maybe he's going to think that I'm not going to do that this time. So I'm going to go back again.
0: <laughs> we might be overthinking more than he did, um,
1: but <laughs> that's why he's Jovanco.
0: Yeah. However, the the way to finish that half, you know, that's another talking point we've kind of touched on, and this is like the the, the complement or the completion of the point about Altidore and what we saw from him, and that was I mean we haven't seen this kind of play from him often and it was really something to see is Johnson slots it straight into him he takes it back to goal and he simply just powers through powers through the center back and then it was Bedoya who comes in to help out fuck off Bedoya like he just it's like not even gonna happen Yeah. and then he toe pokes it in Yeah. and it's the kind of thing where it's just like you know it's like a guy who's like a you know it's like a seven-foot-five center in basketball, like right <laughs> under the hoop, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it almost looked too easy. Like, he's like, oh, I'm just going to toe-poke it in from,
1: you right know, 12 and, yards and, out. And and from the time he actually got that ball, before he scored the goal, there were so many decisions he had to make to put that in, right? Like, he had a guy on his left who was more bothersome. Padoya came in a little later, but um, he had this guy on his left he had to deal with. He had Padoya coming in on the right. Uh, there was another... Philly player who was also coming in mm-hmm. um, If even if not physically he was there peripherally to kind of influence what he was going to do and then he, he toe pokes it in and falls down right afterwards so he wasn't you know balanced uh, I don't think so at the time yep. so I mean just a lot of things had to go right for that goal to go in
0: yeah and that's I mean that's the kind of play you want from like a six foot you know, six foot two, pushing to like a physical specimen of a center forward. You expect him to boss defenders right. and boss his way through like that, and there it
1: was. Right.
0: Which we haven't seen from him very often. It right? Doesn't
1: though. But like, would you take would you take that more often with less of his hold up pass plays? Well, I like I like it all. Right. I I'd rather not have a
0: conversation of <laughs> one or the other. Right. I mean okay. it's, I mean. This once in a while is great. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's nice to see... It's nice for it to see this part of his game... Like, that, that this part of his game exists. Yeah, Because sure. up until this, I don't think we can point to a lot of times where it's like... He's just simply out-muscled his way through opposition defenders. You know, a guy I remember was like that was, was Bright DK. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, he was a guy that, unfortunately, we didn't see enough of him. Right. But... Funny enough, I remember the 2013 season when we played away to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And DK was just a, he was just a beast yeah. against those defenders and he was holding the ball up. Yeah. I remember a play he held the ball up near the half, fed it forward and and then the cameras following that s- is all that way when he the lost f-
1: his shoe is that the same game? I don't know, but
0: like all of a sudden he caught up to the play. Like he yeah. was so fast, he caught up to the play and and affected it and he was in the 18 and he was you know, he's just out-muscling guys. And that's what you need. You need those center backs to be getting worn down, right? You need them to be working hard.
1: Yeah, so so maybe it isn't so much that you have to make a decision. Obviously, you don't. You want the re- well-rounded forward who can do it all. But we do see more finesse from... But do we see that more because he's playing with Travinko and... He's got to lay it off to him and like be aware of where he is. Sure, I mean it could be the it
0: could be simply the makeup of his team. He might not be that player if he played for the Red Bulls again, right? Or if he played for Columbus, or if he played for San Jose, right? Like that, he, he different expectations would be on him. And of course, when he played at AZ, that right. wasn't the game he played. You, you know, know what I mean? Like he was a guy who was strictly like he was almost like a front to goal goal poacher, and he had. You know, he had a great supporting cast that was putting in perfect balls for him to sure. knock in a goal. Yeah. Which isn't what he has here, right? Like, we don't have wide players that are crossing it in to get, you know, in front of Altidore either to head in or knock in or no, whatever. No, he's,
1: he's kind of got to create for Jovinko in a way. A little
0: bit. You know what I mean? Like, he's... In a way, you know, technically, Jovinko is the second striker. Yeah, but... but he- It's a first strike. He is right. Like it's it's almost reversed, and it's funny that you have the small, like the five foot four guy, as kind of your primary goal scorer, and then the guy who's six foot whatever, six foot two, six foot three, right, um, as almost like the setup guy. But that's you know that's not that uncommon in football is that you have the big back to goal center forward who sets up, right, the more crafty, mobile forward behind guy
1: that gets in behind, Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Interesting discussion. Interesting. The other thing, too, that I think, you know, that we were talking about, too, was, you know, the last time you and I did a podcast was that New England game. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, his first game back. Right? He came in on the... Did he sub in? Either way, it was his first game back. And he set up the goal. Oh, remember, he laid it off to Jovinko. Right. He laid it off to Jovinko. Jovinko scores. And that started a nice mini run for Toronto, where it's like they started to look quite attractive. Right? They changed from... This team that was just trying to hold on and play a strong defensive game and you know score on the counter to a team that was like oh a little more had a little more verve right. in the attacking game and I think that's I think that's what we're seeing now in these last few games now that everyone started coming back together.
1: Yeah, the, the funny thing about Altador is that his season has been broken up by injuries and uh, uh, international duty, and we haven't. Like, have we seen him for more than starting, more than, like, four or five games no. all year? No.
0: He missed the first four, I think.
1: He was injured to
0: begin. Yeah, and yeah. then he played four or five, and then he got injured for a bunch, and now he's been back for four or five. Yeah. And it's unfortunate the way that
1: I think... You know, I, like, I'm almost like he's having a good season. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, how do you interpret his performance? Do you qualify it with... Uh, he was injured here. He was on duty here. Because I I qualify by
0: saying the games that I think Toronto has looked the best are the games he's played in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's the way. I mean Toronto's won games without him. But I when I watched those those games and that team, I was interested because young guys were playing and whatnot. But I was like, in the grand scheme of things, that this was our team for thirty four games. Right. They would be struggling. We would be at the. We would be like that team that's hovering around the last playoff spot, right? Probably, if you ask me, probably would miss out. Right. But with the current starting eleven that we have now, plus you know one or two players coming back, like Shea Rude for depth, Cooper comes in as depth, and Irwin comes back in as goal. From yeah. what we've seen in the sample size, you can be like, this team is definitely now more of a contender. Yeah, for I, sure. I would agree. I would agree. And when you add in the second half, to kind of wrap out this 90 minutes. You know, our observation with that was that, you know, Toronto kind of s- trying to close that game off in the right way. Because we said, you know, you uh, in any, f- any football league, you win your home games, you draw your away games. And it was like a tale of, th- not a tale of two halves, but let's say it like that. Toronto went out like a home team in the first half yeah, and a away team in the second half Yeah, because the second half you're like it looks like they're kind of playing for a draw mm-hmm. and then the other observation that we made was like and we've seen I feel like I've, we've been seeing this this year is that Toronto's second half has a pretty distinct pattern where early going like let's say the first five minutes fairly balanced and then there's this stretch somewhere from 50-ish to 70-ish where they kind of lay back. And they on. and they welcome the other team yeah. to come in and have their moments. And then they start to make a few subs. And I think of even the DC game was like that, where we won 4-1. And then Ricketts comes in, and all of a sudden, the yeah. counter is on. Yeah. Chances are coming. And we kind of saw that again tonight, where even though Toronto's sitting at 3-1 and they were maybe laying back a bit, that... In this, you know, definitely by the 80th, 82nd minute, we noted. We're like, I feel like Toronto's got more possession. Yeah, now they're... Yeah. And it's like, you kind of... And we noticed that it was like, for Philadelphia to be the home team, trying to come back, they're not making as much as an impression as we would have expected.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, they can only really do that when they're in the lead, I guess. eh? Like, play that game.
0: Who? Toronto. Right. Well, I guess so, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean... It makes, me, it makes me want to pay a little more attention to the next game where we're behind. Yeah. Going into the last, like, 15, 20 minutes and see exactly what we do. Right.
0: And then to the end this game, Paul, I think, you know, he obviously talked about saying, was this, did we see one of the best 45 minutes we've ever seen a team? Could this be our best road game of this season? Because they were saying, what was it? This is our first road win since end of April?
1: Yeah, well, I, oh, you know, uh, I guess it depends on what you look for in a road game. Like, I love that we went for it in the first. As you said, played like a home team. Um, and that worked really well for us. I uh, I think that in the second half, it, it we kind of got the job done and we did what we, I guess, may normally do where we keep it for the last 20 minutes and then go for it kind of thing. But it wasn't pretty. And, uh, you know, like... The best road game would probably be a shutout. I would think. You know, maybe that that game against Montreal that two that wasn't a road game, was it? It was. It was a road game. Yeah. yeah. That it was a dominant performance again. They had nothing. You know that entire game. Um, so, you know, probably not from my perspective. But at the same time, like given that we just came off a lot of criticism in Houston, sure. Um, being a man up and not you know being able to put them away. I mean, I, I heard him on the uh, telecast saying it was a statement game. You know, I I, I don't know if it well, was. Well, that
0: was going to be my follow up. Yeah, was saying we talked about was it the best first half? Is this the best road game? Is this a statement game? What do you think? Uh, what is what is the statement game for you in this
1: point of the season?
0: Yeah, it's tough. To, it's tough to say because I don't I don't know if I think of Philadelphia as the type of team. You make a statement game against. You know, if I had to look ahead just briefly on the schedule. We only have like three road games left. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean let me say this. Last year when we clinched our playoff position, that was a statement game. You know, that I we guess we were yeah. To me that was that qualified as a statement game. I don't know if Philadelphia is like the kind of appointment like the kind of opponent where I well, say what about a, the fact
1: that if Philly won they would have been tied with us? In points.
0: Okay, that's actually not a bad... Well, yeah, I mean, sure. There's something to say about that, is that in a game that mattered, in a game we could create distance, you know, in a game where we can position ourselves better and put that team behind us in our rearview mirror, that's definitely... There's Yeah, you can make a case, I guess, now that I've put yeah. some things together
1: that it was a statement game, because Toronto has not always been that team. Yeah, I guess having not won since... On the road since... You know how long ago was it? Like, but hey, you know what?
0: I the way that I'm thinking of it though is that uh, maybe because again, is it is it Toronto City, PTSD? I don't know. But the the I mean the streak we're in now, sure we're in this amazing six game streak. I still feel like that's a small sample size,
1: and this season has been so discombobulated because four of them were at home, you know, and like like we we're saying, home versus away it's a totally different animal. Yeah. However.
0: Last week's pod, I did make the statement saying those last four home games, or those home game wins, I think, I think you can draw something on that, saying a page might have turned, because last year, we couldn't beat D.C. at home. Last year, we didn't beat DC, Columbus at home at the end of the season. Right. Right? We lost to New England two years in a row at home in embarrassing games. Uh, and Real Salt Lake is they've traditionally always been a
1: thorn in the side They've yeah. been a
0: tough team yeah. So To steamroll through Four Three of them Being conference rivals yeah. And then beat a, Then beat a good West Coast I mean Salt Lake's not as good as they have been But still I mean you have to give some respect To There's some good players on Salt Lake uh, And now go to Philadelphia And earn a win I still feel like I think for me It's like I want to see how they play in Orlando Yeah And I want to see how we play in Montreal. And when those games are done, I feel like I can come to a closer. And it's like if everyone's healthy, I think then we can come to a conclusion of like, what this is our best team. Here's a good sample size of what they're like together. More than three or four games, like we saw at the start of the year. Yeah. This is what we can expect. I mean, if they go to Orlando and win, and then Montreal comes to Toronto and we and we beat them like very decisively that's a statement for me. Right. I feel like right. it's not a statement game. It's just a statement. It's right. like, here we are, Toronto. Now we're clicking. Everyone should fear us. Right. And that's what, we, I think that's like, I mean, that's just been, always been the dream, to be honest,
1: right? Yeah. And the funny thing is that, um, reading on Twitter after the game that, uh, you know, like MLS was saying, um, I can't remember the handle. I can't remember the account. I can't remember who said it, but it seems like a lot of people are saying you should fear Toronto now, like Toronto's the team you got to watch out for. Um, I mean, all of that is well and good and um, probably warranted. But uh, like you said, it's not just about the one particular game. It's about putting together, like if we lose bad in Orlando, one of the lesser teams in the East next yeah. week, what does that do to this game in Philly? Yeah. You know, or what What context does that put Houston in where we didn't win a man up? Yeah. You know, against could, one of the worst teams in the league. It could change the entire perception of what we've done
0: so far on yeah. this road trip. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I mean, Toronto City has a history. And it's like, it's going to, you know, we talked about this last episode too being like, you know, Toronto city getting respect. And that's been a discussion around the city for the last two weeks. And, you know, our case was that. Your respect is earned. It is, and it's not. It's earned through more than a six game streak. Sure. Right. It's earned over time. It's earned over seasons. It's earned over years of a team. You know, the LA Galaxy has respect. Why? Right. Yeah. Seattle's having a rough year, but Seattle still like. I still you still like. I still think of Seattle as a top team in the West, even though they're having a brutal season. Right. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, until the last couple of years, you know, Houston, you would just, you would just associate them being like, that's a good team. That's true. There's no two ways about it. I mean, that's obviously changed in the last two years. But so Toronto, I think, is in a spot where it's like, and you're talking about the fear, having fear of Toronto FC. I think it's it's
1: you know what I mean. It's kind of it's percolating, you know. Right. But we need to do this a year or two in a row, and then we can ask for that kind of. And, and I think we need to see it, you know, once we get to a stretch where it's like they're
0: consistently competing against all teams, let's say over a 10-game stretch. For me, then I'm going to be like, yeah, this is what we're seeing.
1: Right. And, you know, the funny thing is we haven't actually even been in a position to to point to something like that. Like, for the last two years, we started on the road, long stretch. You know, like, so you have to kind of set it aside. They start it on the road, whatever happens, you know. Yep. And then, like, we're uh, home heavy at the end. Oh, you can't really consider that too much. They're home heavy at the end. I mean, it, it almost seems like we haven't really been even in position to make a statement yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, and that's, well, I mean, we've, I've, you know, kind of like probably, I'm sure you've thought it and said it before, it's like, wow, this is, I'm kind of getting it to the point of being like, this is a refreshing topic. Right. <laughs> when we're talking about this team, um, you know, kind of like pausing the greater scheme and just like taking a little sidebar between you and I to be like, for the last 10 years, how often have we had to have you know have a conversation like that? Like usually it's like, you know, micro discussions about shit. Right. And now we're like, the, the discussion is about the statement this team, and teams, do, teams fear us. Right. Yeah, I, I'm just like so glad that this is what, what the podcast is coming to, you, rather than ragging on Cochrane, Byrne, and El Salmi. which was—I mean, I gotta be honest—I quite enjoyed it for right. many years, uh, railing on those guys because hey, it was I, so easy. I, I, but I would rather talk about—I'd rather talk about performance.
1: And it kind of comes back full circle to how you opened this thing, where you said that I'm feeling kind of calm. You
0: know? Yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'd be interested because we do get feedback now and now and then i'm like if because there's i don't know how many people listen to it now who've really listened from 2009 right through the we're like the darkest of days and if they could say like yeah the the podcast does sound different than it used to because there was points where it was like we would get emails being like can you stop (laughs) can you stop criticizing like this is your podcast is getting dark you know it's like well look i mean i don't know what you want i i have nothing else you know you'd be like september and we're done right i'm like what am i gonna talk what are we gonna talk about for the next ten months so i'm just like to be in a position that we are now where i'm like all you can do is look forward and let's finish it off like this supporter shield not that we care but yeah i don't know let's finish that's maybe that's the last little little bit of saying what are we looking forward towards in these last i think it's nine games in the season well, yeah, we had 25 games, nine left.
1: Yeah, I, I would say, first of all, uh, as much as I love to talk about winding down and like looking forward to the playoffs and the yeah, next okay, step and all enough. that stuff, nine games is still a long time. It's not quite a third of a season, but it's a long time. Um, do I think we're going to collapse? Absolutely not. I don't think we're going to do that. I think we're too good. Yeah, I was never able to say that before. I think we're too good to collapse in the last third of the season. If the supporter shield is something that uh, I, I personally don't care about it that much but if it's something that uh, can help the team somehow hype wise or just like motivation wise or something then absolutely respect or respect yeah maybe I did
0: see an interesting tweet or a discussion online where someone was saying you know the great- is the greatest play- MS player of all time Robbie Keane mm. or the greatest site which I was like He's a, he is a very good signing, but... I would take Robbie Keane, but I'd take Jovinko first. I'm, I just... There's no... Compa- to me, there's no... Compa- yeah. I mean, to me, Jovinko is... I don't want to say far and away, maybe... But I just... I think he's the best signing. He's the best player that's ever come into the league and performed. Yeah. David V is a, is a talent. Robbie Keane is a talent. But neither of them, I feel, have scored and set up players... Yeah. At the caliber of... And jaw-dropping... Yeah. finishing, execution, whatever, that Jovinko has.
1: Yeah, and it's not just Toronto FC fans who feel that way. There's a uh begrudging acceptance and acknowledgement of how good he is by other teams and, well, the league, obviously, Yeah, but, uh, as well. So, yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, but I would say, for me, I think, and that's, you know, it's funny because it's like, when I was when I just made that comment about the playoffs in Spain, you were like, "Well, you know, I don't think we're gonna collapse." And I was like, "That never actually, actually, that never occurred to me. It actually never occurred to me right. that it, it's foregone that we're gonna make the playoffs for you." From what, yeah, like, cause I'm I can't I'm looking at these recent results and I'm like, I can't I can't compute yeah. where the bed shitting is going to occur. <laughs> right. Whereas in previous years, I could I mean I could I could have told you. In May, the bed shitting would occur, right. right? Like it was, it was so obvious that this team was not cohesive. The team didn't have the potential. You know, the team was even last year. I could, I could have told you. I was like, this team barely would have gotten to the playoffs based on all the pieces. And then, from what I've seen of late, I just, it just hasn't occurred to me that that's not going to happen. And I, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when you're looking at games left and all that stuff, I think the team in the best position is Colorado. And Dallas is in a good position too, but I think Colorado has the games in hand. Toronto has some games in hand. I think Toronto could look for the Eastern Conference if they really w- if that if the statement is obviously
1: top two as far as the supporter shield goes. The only reason I would care about is to get the MLS Cup. Yeah, it's the only reason. Yeah, um, you know Toronto making the Eastern Conference. The only reason is to get home playoff advantage for the entire thing.
0: That's and home game. I think yeah. is I think a home game this year should be. And it's like, I was a, I was a bit, you know, I was a bit put off that my season tickets went up this year, mm-hmm. given the way last year went. But if I had a home game, and you're like, okay, we're raising the ticket prices, like, whatever, like, yeah, whatever, like, 20, 30 bucks. I'd be like, like, yeah, this has been a good season, and we made the playoffs, and I got to see a home game, and it was awesome. What if we lost, though? Well, the, no, the tie, what if we yeah, lost no, no, it's just, I just want a home game. Yeah. You know, I feel like there'd be, there'd finally be the energy, there'd finally be like like actual genuine passion. Yeah. That I probably haven't honestly. Well, no, there's been some good Toronto C games. One of the most passionate atmospheres of BMO I've ever felt was Canada Jamaica. Right. Right. So, I mean, Toronto's had some pretty good ones. I would like champions the games and stuff like that, and maybe a few league games. If I really rack my brain, but I feel like a home playoff game the energy would be pretty special
1: yeah and and obviously it's something we've never had and it would be totally unique and new and, and something that you know supporters can create Yeah, you know and make special so you know we're getting ahead of ourselves
0: well this I mean hey look this is a it's a 3-1 road win I guess that's yeah. what can be expected and I'm gonna say Six this undefeated. again 6 undefeated i have said to say this again listeners be thankful because usually this isn't what happens on Eastside stand up like yeah. uh, it's, 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 you know, it's uh,
1: what did you call it Eastside stand-up uh, at the beginning studio Eastside yep, stand-up studios. Studio okay that's what you get at Eastside stand-up Studio. I
0: guess so <laughs> <laughs> Paul I'm watching all road games here until the end of the season I <laughs> Ho- hope you you, your wife and your dog all, don't mind all podcasts will be on delay until we know if we want or not yeah okay so you know what I think we've hit a perfect mark on this episode Paul let's leave it at that people can get you on Twitter
1: at Gray Paul Gray Paul yep at Gray Paul and uh, Eastside stand-up dot com Yep, the strip is still going. It's still going. I can going. see some sketches over here. Yeah, we got some drawings going on,
0: so it's uh, not stopping anytime soon. Awesome. And everyone knows you can get me at ClarkRNO, info or have your say at rednationonline.ca or at rednationonline on Twitter. Uh, anything you want to say, if we got anything wrong, let me know. If you, Any questions, throw it out there. Any thoughts, throw it out there. Um, we're in a great slow stretch here, so hopefully everyone's positive and has a lot of good things to say. I think I'm going to try to make it out to that... Well, I'm going to watch the game in Orlando, but I think I'm going to try to crank out a pod midweek, find a way to get the one in Montreal done, obviously. Uh, It's a good little stretch. So, yeah, hopefully you guys hear from us again Thursday morning. Otherwise, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks again, Paul. Peace. See you guys soon. You to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us, let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, in our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah!